Welcome to The Bone Beat, conversations on health policy issues affecting musculoskeletal care and supporting advocacy efforts to advance access and quality. Brought to you by the American Association of Orthopedic Surgeons. Here's your host, Kristen Coltis. Hi, everyone. Thanks for tuning in to this first episode of AAOS's new advocacy podcast. My name is Kristen, and I am the Advocacy Communications Director at our Office of Government Relations in Washington, D.C. For several months now, we've been working to set up the show, capture content, and gear up for a soft launch at the 2020 annual meeting, which was supposed to take place this week in Orlando, Florida. But now, more than ever, a virtual platform for communication seems relevant and needed, and we're excited to finally bring you the show. The conversation you are about to hear took place in late January with AAOS's current president, Dr. Christy Weber. After a busy day of meeting with congressional leaders on Capitol Hill, she sat down to talk about advocacy as an enabler to the organization's five-year strategic plan. We think this is the perfect topic to kick off the show and couldn't have asked for a better guest to speak to something that many consider a legacy to her presidency. So we hope you find value in this episode, and we look forward to bringing you new, exciting content each month. Enjoy. Dr. Weber, I want to thank you for um, coming to Washington, D.C. today and for setting aside time to come on the podcast. Welcome. Thank you. I'm, I'm actually thrilled to be here. It was a great day in Washington, D.C. on the Hill, uh, talking about issues that matter to our members. I understand you met with several members of Congress today. Um, Before we get into our topic um, on how advocacy is an enabler to our strategic plan, why don't you tell us about um, some of those experiences you had today on Capitol Hill? Well, it it was really a a really wonderful day. The OGR staff set it up quite well. I was able to meet with five members, um, both the Senate and the House. I met with uh, men and women. I met with Republicans and Democrats. I was able to talk about a, a number of issues. Mm-hmm. Uh, I had the opportunity to meet with Senator Barrasso, which was a real thrill, given that he's an orthopedic surgeon and a real supporter of our members and our patients. And I also was able to connect with Representative uh, Dr. Andy Harris from Maryland. Um, and I had known Dr. Harris uh, when I worked at Johns Hopkins. So it was nice to have that personal oh, wow. connection with a member. And I think it made for a better conversation. Yes. Absolutely. Those uh, personal relationships and connections are so critical to the work that we do in Washington and um, how we move the needle on different advocacy issues. Um, What were some of the topics that you were discussing with members today? I know our staff here um, at the Office of Government Relations are meeting with members of Congress daily. What were the topics that you took to the Hill today? You know, we had several topics, and it a little bit depended on where the member of Congress, where their role was Mm -hmm. in a particular committee structure and what might be relevant to them, uh, for them to work on and to help us with. So uh, we talked a little bit about uh, the new uh, labor HHS appropriation support language uh, related to diversity. Mm -hmm. We talked about that to a number of members uh, in the House. This was about really moving forward um, language in the – appropriations bill about NIAMS pushing the diversity and uh, disparities in care aspect uh, a little further. 
than the 21st Century Cures Act did. We're really happy with that. We're happy with uh, NIAMS strategic plan, but really looking uh, to have NIAMS have a request for applications um, to look into disparities, whether it's racial or gender or socioeconomic um, uh, issues. It sounds like you had a great day. We did have a great day. Well, we're so excited that you're here. You know, it's not every day that um, that we get to go to the Hill with members, much less our president. Um, you know, so being able to advocate on behalf of the profession is not something you do every day, but something you do do and focus on is the strategic plan, which is the topic of this episode. We're going to talk about advocacy being an enabler. Um, according to the strategic plan, uh, we hope to advocate to advance access to and quality of musculoskeletal health care and support providers to thrive in an evolving healthcare environment. So, uh, Dr. Weber, you were really instrumental in creating this plan in 2018, um, and it's taken effect in 2019. Can you start by um, explaining what we mean by an enabler? Let me first talk about the fact that a strategic plan is going to talk about mission and vision. And for this particular plan, the board identified three main goals. So we can talk about that later. Mm -hmm. But we also, in addition to these goals, which are going to be a real focus over the next five years, we also wanted to talk about enablers. And when I, when I think about an enabler, I think about something that's part of our fabric. Right. Really part of the academy, the association, 24-7. What do we do? We communicate. So communications is one of our enablers. Advocacy. Advocacy is probably the number one enabler that our members care about and that is so vital. Uh, We advocate in everything we do, but we specifically are advocating on behalf of both members and patients. uh, And it it goes directly to the the goals of the strategic plan and our overall vision to be the trusted leaders in advancing musculoskeletal health. I think – the line that you said is so important that it's in our fabric um, because, as you said, it's not one of our three goals. It's an enabler that helps us to carry out our mission, um, our mission serving our profession to provide the highest quality of musculoskeletal care. So let's, if we can, go kind of goal by goal just at a very high level and talk about how advocacy um, is an enabler to achieving that goal. Our first goal being delivering a personalized and seamless member experience. How would you say advocacy is helping to achieve that? Well, you think about the member experience and not every member has an expertise or even an interest in advocacy, Mm -hmm. but what an opportunity. Our academy has allowed Every Even people who are not members benefit from our advocacy efforts. Right. However, the people who are members have an opportunity to engage in advocacy and to experience what it's like to be able to speak on behalf of our patients on what they need. And you know what? That moves the field forward. Mm-hmm. That is something that allows us to be able to be the trusted leaders in advancing musculoskeletal health. We are helping patients. Right. We know whether it's advocating for physician-owned hospitals because we have better uh, value-based care there, Mm -hmm. Um, if it's innovating uh, for a new uh, bundled health care plan that relates to musculoskeletal health, um, that's talking about this diversity language we talked about in the appropriations bill. Um, These are ways that we can actually advance care for our patients. As you said, it's the opportunities through um, 
vehicles like the Office of Government Relations and through working with our advocacy team that we are able to offer that experience to our members. I, I want to just highlight a couple things. Um, we've talked about this in in other episodes, um, and it's something we're really trying to promote this year, our Advocacy Action Center. Uh, this is a new tool that our members are able to utilize to seamlessly uh, connect to their members of Congress on an issue. Um, another one is collecting member insights. So I think I think it's really important what you said about providing opportunity. And whereas uh, goal number one might not seem like the most natural fit for where advocacy is an enabler, it's absolutely uh, part of that goal. Right. And actually, Kristen, I, I love that you brought up the Advocacy Action Center because this is something that I think this is really a step forward. This is not your old academy. This is an opportunity uh, that that members see the basic issues that we're always advocating for, but they're also seeing the, the breaking issues. Right. Um, issues like, you know, surprise billing, uh, that we want to know what's the latest uh, on that issue. So um, the idea that from a single sign-on, Yep. We have letters already written to members of Congress, and all you have to do is be able to single sign on and your data that you've given to the Academy about about you and who you are and what your advocacy interests are get automatically populated into that letter. So that's what we talk about by seamless and personalized. Right. And so that's really that's really executing on this goal about the member experience. Yeah, that's a really, really important thing. Um, And then our second goal is to equip members to thrive in value-based environments and advance the quality of orthopedic care. Now, this goal is what most people think when we talk about advocacy. Can you um, help us to tie the two together? Well, there's actually even a strategic objective under this goal that says to integrate the Academy's advocacy and quality efforts to advance musculoskeletal health. So this is this is really the the critical piece. And I, over my time in the academy, I've seen advocacy and quality get closer and closer. We're advocating for quality right. care for our patients. So there's there's really a, an, an excellent interface um, about these issues. We we really want people to be able to sort of survive until they can thrive in this value based environment. It's not easy for mm-hmm. our members, um, but by by working with CMS, by working with CMMI, and I think we'll talk about that a little bit later. Right. Um, uh, we're able to push this forward. And and really what I hear on the Hill now and when, when we go advocate during the NOLC and other times is really talking about quality of care. We're really talking about how we can determine in our patients what works and what doesn't and what is high quality care. And in this particular goal, we're also talking about bringing in value. So whereas in the past we've talked primarily of quality and our quality products related to clinical practice guidelines, appropriate use criteria, we're now going to be factoring factoring in cost so that we can get to value. Mm -hmm. We are talking about registries. So um, bringing in the registry to be able to have that data so that we can then take that to the Hill and explain that to lawmakers about what what really on a big population scale, big data, can we say about what we do and how it helps patients? Uh, Registries is an area of the AOS that you may often think is directly associated with quality, but it's true, too, that we work very closely with um, legislators and with federal agencies to ensure that tools like registries are incorporated into um, different payment models and other ways to demonstrate quality care. Right. And, and actually, we're one of the very few qualified data registries that has the ResDEC data that has that CMS uh, data that's pulled into our registry, which just increases the robustness of the data. I also want to mention one other aspect of goal two, and that's really the collaboration piece. So collaborating with payers, regulators, industry, and others uh, to influence 
um, the change in musculoskeletal health care delivery as well as reimbursement to physicians. So, And that's really what we're talking about. We're talking about collaborating at CMS. Right. We're talking about collaborating at the FDA, mm-hmm. at the NIH. Uh, we're talking about the legislative efforts. So we have to work together with people uh, to be able to achieve our goals for the, for the benefit of our patients. Because we can um, further quality, but helping our members to thrive is the added piece to that goal. So it's really important that um, that the two are closely aligned. Well, even just when you talk about, we're talking about prior authorizations yes. for Medicare Advantage. And so for our members to thrive, they have to be able to do their work. Right. Right. And for patients to be able to get the best care and not have their care delayed uh, for some of these bureaucratic aspects of prior auth. I mean, this is something that we're, you know, on the ground, the staff are there every day uh, working to try to make this an easier way for patients and members. That issue um, is one that we here in the Office of Government Relations would call evergreen. It's It permeates through all of our um, advocacy agendas year to year. Uh, and then you mentioned surprise billing, too. That is more of a breaking um, issue that we've tackled this year. But both are accessible through our Advocacy Action Center. And of course, we encourage members to engage on them. Um, our third goal is to evolve the culture and governance of AOS's board and volunteer structure to become more strategic, innovative, and diverse. How does advocacy tie to that goal? Yeah, I think this one people might think, well, I, I can't see that as easily, but but I think you can. I think especially when we're talking about the strategic um, and innovative piece. Right. So we need to be more strategic. We need to be more strategic as academy in general in all aspects of our work. Uh, strategy is really deciding what we're not going to do, not so much what we are going to do. We need to incorporate that into our advocacy focus as well. We can't do everything. Right. We have a finite staff. We have finite resources. What it are the most critical issues that we need to put our efforts behind. And so we need to be strategic about that. What partnerships, what Congress folks do we need to speak with? Uh, What offices do we need to have constant contact with to be able to move our issues forward? And that means thinking ahead. That means not being as reactive, but being proactive, especially with folks at CMS. That's actually something that we touched upon in our conversation. And I know that you've been a really um, strong proponent of, which is, being strategic um, in our advocacy efforts. You know, it's easy for us to take on any and all issues that our members are facing in their practice and and to reform medical liability in that way. Um, but you're right. It's, it's also identifying what areas we're not going into. And that's why we created the Unified Advocacy Agenda. And that's why we have a council on advocacy that is supposed to inform our staff and to help shape it. Right. And I think the Unified Advocacy Agenda is really a, a wonderful starting point we can even be more strategic to really highlight those. What are the what are the three key issues that every member should know that we're working on? Right, uh, and we should be able to look at that car- critically on a on a real time basis because issues do come up, and and we hear from our grassroots doctors in the in the BOC and and throughout state societies what's happening on the ground in the states, which often bubbles up to the federal situation. The other aspect of this goal is uh, it being innovative. So. I wouldn't say that the academy's always really had a focus on innovation, but we're really trying to to think out of the box uh, to leverage what we know to put the organization, the academy, the association um, into the future and not be behind. And and again, this is another aspect related to advocacy in our partnership with CMMI. Mm -hmm. And we think about using registries to collect patient reported outcomes and showing them that this can be a seamless way to advance care. 
uh, and to really understand how the patient's uh, doing other than just uh, looking at x-rays and finding out if they've had a 30-day readmission. Right, right. Well, uh, going through those three, you know, and in, in hearing you explain how it ties to them, um, advocacy is obviously a strategic is an enabler to all three. Uh, the first year that our strategic plan was set into motion um, and initiated, I, I want to get into some of the concrete examples we have um, of ways that we've helped to achieve our goals through advocacy. What are some of those uh, wins, if you will, or uh, progress that we made in 2019 that stand out to you? Well, I think in 2019, we've had, first of all, increased participation in the PAC. Yes. So that's been a wonderful, um, you know, leading industry PAC. Um, and we're going to continue to work on that going forward so we can have more access uh, for the benefit of our patients. Uh, we've advocated for improvements in the value-based payment models um, and tried to increase participation of our members in the various bundle plans. We're also trying to work with, again, CMS, CMMI, to think about even different and more innovative bundle plans sure. uh, related to arthritis as a, as a total uh, episode of care. Um, we have had legislation uh, introduced in the House and the Senate uh, concerning the repeal and the ban of physician-owned hospitals. This is really important, yes. again, to many of our members, and, and we've, we know it has an improvement in value and quality for the patient. Uh, we have promoted the use of arbitration um, in any legislative efforts to address surprise billing, and we're hoping that that moves forward uh, over the next year as well. Um, we've been able to and will continue to survey members on advocacy uh, issue priorities, and again, that's that piece where we're trying to get more data uh, on our members. Right, and and 2019 was just the first year of that strategic plan. Um, you know, that is supposed to carry us through 2022. Three, uh, beyond your presidency even, I think it's important to really highlight the fact that it's not a one and done. Can we talk about some of the ongoing initiatives that we're working on and some things that we're focused on in 2019 and beyond having to do with advocacy in our strategic plan? Well, right. And you've mentioned many of the issues. We're going to continue to be working on surprise billing. We're going to continue to work on physician-owned hospitals. We're going to be working on the prior authorization for Medicare Advantage uh, patients. Um, we'll continue to identify what our um, advocacy issue priorities are from a member-specific basis. We recently came up with new definitions for quality and value. And we're going to be promoting that uh, on the Hill, and we're going to be pro promoting that through our membership. Uh, we are... Advocating also for, we're going to be advocating for a flexible regulatory environment for registry participation, and that's really important if we're going to move that uh, initiative forward. Um, again, and we'll continue to, to work on the surprise billing as we talked about. I just want to note that we had the idea for this podcast when we were looking at the plan, and we were, one of the items on that plan is to um, prioritize the development and rollout of practical solutions and tools. So we hope that this podcast is a way for the larger portion of our membership, maybe those who aren't as involved in advocacy now, to understand the issues, to understand why it matters to the profession and to their patients, and to really get in to get involved. So um, we hope that that helps to achieve the strategic plan. And, you know, by the time this episode airs, you will be concluding your presidency, we'll be welcoming in Dr. Bosco. And I would love for you to leave our members with 
a few words on on why the strategic plan matters. You know, this is the first time that we've had this five year plan to to carry the goals and objectives of the organization. Uh, obviously, then on this podcast, we're talking about advocacy specifically. But um, but how would you how would you leave our members knowing the importance of advocacy and how it's helping to achieve AOS's overall mission? Thanks, Kristen. I. I think that what I want to leave us with is the Academy Board has affirmed a vision that we want to be the trusted leaders in advancing musculoskeletal health. Everything we're doing is toward that vision. These three goals that we're going to work on related to member experience and quality and value and sort of culture and governance are going to work on, we're going to work on these for five years. And then we're going to reevaluate and we're going to come up with a, an, another set of goals that will move the organization forward. What I want to leave the members with is, again, they may say, well, why isn't advocacy one of those goals? It is not a goal because we're not going to see that end. We're not going to replace advocacy and then do something else. Advocacy is 24-7. It's part of what we do at the Academy. We're going to continue to do that throughout this strategic plan, the next strategic plan, and the next strategic plan. But we are going to get better and better and better at it. And so with this strategic plan, as advocacy informs our member experience, patient quality and value, um, and our sort of innovative strategic way of thinking of things, um, it, it's going to ultimately affect both member experience and patient care. Well, we thank you for coming on this show, for setting aside time in your busy day of Hill visits to uh, come on what is going to be one of our first episodes for the show. And it's just really um, such an honor to sit down with you and to talk about something that's such a legacy to your presidency with the AOS. We appreciate your time um, and we look forward to carrying on Uh, this plan for years to come. Thank you, Dr. Weber. Thank you, Kristen. Thank you for listening to this episode of The Bone Beat from the American Association of Orthopedic Surgeons. For more information on this topic and other AAOS efforts to shape the future of musculoskeletal care, please visit aaos.org slash advocacy.